Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Good morning. December 2019, just 12 months ago, you were celebrating another Christmas, preparing to welcome the new year. I want you to go back in your mind to those days. If I came and told you that an unseen virus was going to send the world into a pandemic, that countries would declare states of emergency, that hospitals would exceed their capacity, the stock market would crash, schools and workplaces, restaurants and churches would be locked down, and over 70 million people would be infected worldwide and over 1.5 million would die. If I told you that in December of 2019, would you believe me? No. Why? Because it sounds unbelievable. It doesn't make sense that something like this could happen. It seems entirely implausible, if not impossible. 2,000 years ago, in a small, obscure, agricultural settlement in the region of Galilee, a young girl was given a similarly unbelievable message that she, a virgin, would give birth to the Son of God. Now, I want you to be honest. Does that not sound like a fairy tale? Like fiction? Surely not based on fact. You see, church, the truth is there are passages in the Bible like this. Stories that defy the laws of nature. Miracles which seem to us to be un believable. And yet, the author of our text this morning, the physician Luke, tells us that he wrote this historical account, and the verse will come up on the screen, he wrote it so that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Certainty. So here's my question. How can a reasonable person Believe the unbelievable. How? That the things we read in the Bible which are humanly impossible to grasp or fully understand, how do reasonable people like you and me believe? Well, to answer this question, uh, with Christmas just around the corner, we will look to the example of this young girl in Nazareth, 
the Virgin Mary. And as we walk through this remarkable encounter that was just uh, read for us, we will see that Luke records three responses Mary has to the unbelievable message she received. Fear, wonder, and faith. And dear friends, I pray that these will be the very responses you and I have to the unbelievable this Christmas. Uh, Let's pray before we dive in. God, what we have read and what we have heard this morning challenges our minds and tests our faith. Help us as we recount Mary's response. May we, too, follow her example and believe. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Allow me to uh, set the stage. Mary was engaged to be married. We have a a few uh, couples uh, in our church who are in this very season. No doubt a time of joy, right? Uh, Anticipation, preparations for for the wedding day, excitement about the family that that awaits her. Uh, Her bridegroom, um, Joseph, was a descendant of royalty, we are told, in, in verse 27, in the line of Israel's great king of old, David. And if you take a look at the verses just before our text, if you can open your Bibles and take a look at those verses just before our text, Luke tells us that Mary has an older relative on her mother's side, Elizabeth, who was barren or infertile but is now pregnant, six months pregnant, with a son, John the Baptist. And it's at this time, in the sixth month of her pregnancy, verse 26, look at verse 26, that the angel Gabriel was sent from God. An angel sent from God. Now, chances are, um, you men have, most of you men have written a card to the woman you love, calling her by this very expression, (laughs) an angel sent from God. And as lovely as that sounds, I can assure you that is not what Luke means. Those three words, sent from God, must not be overlooked. For what is Luke telling us? He's saying that, the, that Mary's unbelievable message did not originate from an angel. Gabriel was sent. He was a messenger, which means the words he is declaring to Mary are not his own. They are the words of the one who sent him. The words of God himself. And this matters church. This matters. You know why? Because if you and I are going to believe something which is humanly impossible, like a virgin giving birth, the world has every right to question, on what authority can you believe such a thing? Are you so naive and simple? How can you justify believing that? 
You see, whether you realize it or not, everything you and I believe is based on the authority of our sources. Do you know that? Everything you believe. And some sources are better than others. You know this, right? Friends can lie. They can be mistaken. Uh, websites can be out of date. Uh, news reports and uh, politicians can be biased. Even scientific journals and studies can be flawed. But Mary's source was the most trustworthy authority in the universe. Just think about that for a moment. Her source of information here is the one who created and sustains all things. He is the one who defines what is possible and what is not, what nature can do and what it cannot do, what truth is and what it is not. Friends, do you see why Christians hold so fast to the Bible in spite of all its miraculous claims. It's not because we are simple or naive. It's because if every other human source were to tell you a virgin can't conceive, and then God Almighty tells you a virgin has, who would you believe? Who would you believe? As the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 3 verse 4, he says it so bluntly, let God be true and every human being a liar. That is the authority of Mary's source. Verse 28, And the angel said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. I just want you to imagine yourself in Mary's shoes uh, or sandals. Um, a fearful angel sent from God standing before you, and he says, Mary, you are favored. Just, just picture this for yourself. Picture the scene. You are accepted in the sight of God, and the Lord is with you. Okay, so this is what the angel has said to Mary. But look at her response. Look at her response. Verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now, isn't that confusing? I don't know about you. I, I was confused when I, when I read that. God just told Mary that he accepts her, right? That, that, that he, is, he is with her. And her first response to the word of God is what? Fear. Fear fear. It says she was greatly troubled, verse 29, which means she was disturbed. And not just because she was encountering an angel. Look carefully at verse 29. It says she was troubled at what? At the saying. The saying. It's confusing. Why was she afraid? Well, to understand why we need to first recognize who Mary was. Who was Mary? Mary was a sinner. She was a sinner. I know um, our Catholic friends would 
disagree with me on this. But in her own words, a few verses after our passage, look at what Luke records. Verse, chapter, look at, what she, look at what Mary says. She calls God her what? Her Savior. Church, the sinless do not need a Savior. But Mary was a sinner. She was in need of a Savior. She was in need of mercy. She was in need of grace. And so this is why she's afraid, and rightly so. What kind of greeting would the holy God, the holy sinless God of the universe have for a sinner like her? And so it is with you and I. Our first response to the Word of God is fear. That's what it should be. You know why? Because God's Word discerns your thoughts. Did you know that? His Word knows the intentions of your heart. It, he, it can find you in your hiding places. It can expose you before the one to whom we must all give an account. And so this was Mary's first response, fear, fear. But the angel said to her, look at verse, verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Favor. The, the Greek word used here, charis, <laughs> hope I pronounced that right, it literally means grace. That's what it means. Grace. Church, God did not send his word to Mary so that she would be paralyzed with fear. He sent his word because she had found grace. She'd found grace. And I have a question for you. How did she find grace? Did she go seeking for it? No. Did she, did she go looking for it? Is that, how, is that how she found it? No. God freely gave it to her. It was a gift. She didn't, she didn't earn it. She, she can't, you know, dispense it to other people. No, she was a recipient of grace. That's who Mary was. Look at verse 31. Here's the means of God's grace. Look at verse 31. And behold... You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus. This, this, this name, Jesus, it means Yahweh is salvation. That's what it means. Yahweh, God, is salvation. And, and, and it tells us a lot because this is how God was going to show sinners like Mary and, and you and me grace. This is how. This son in Mary's womb would save people from their sins. This is how. This is how grace was going to be shown. He will be great. Look at verse 32. He will be great. Now, 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 now catch every detail. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob for, forever. And of his kingdom there will be no 
end. Church, every one of those details, Luke is not recording them in vain. To you and me, it may not mean much. But do you realize that every one of those titles is a messianic prophecy in the Old Testament? Any faithful Israelite would have immediately recognized what God was saying. He was saying, this child is the promised Messiah. That's what he was saying. Mary would have gotten it right away. She knew. We need to stop asking the question, Mary, did you know? She knew. She knew. Her mind must have been racing at this time. She, as, she, as she pieced together the, 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 the prophecies she knew, the, the shadows, the types throughout the Old Testament, the things she had been taught as a child. And her heart must have been overwhelmed by the grace of God to a sinner like her. And as the beloved old hymn goes, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace... My fears relieved. Grace, her fears relieved. Which leads to Mary's second response, her second response. Look at verse 34. Mary, and Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? How will this be? this be. This is Mary's second response, and it was wonder. Her second response was wonder. It's the question on all of our minds, isn't it? How can a virgin conceive? Medicine has advanced much over the years. Fertility treatments have helped so many couples conceive but none of them can occur without a human father. None. It's true today, and it was true in Luke's day. And he would know why, because he was a physician. So Mary, having experienced the grace of God in Christ, now begins to wonder, and she poses this question to, to, to Gabriel, how will this be? And I want to pause here. I want, I want to ask you, was it wrong for her to do this? Was it wrong? Was it wrong of her to question the Word of God? Should she have just believed? I think the same question can be asked of us today. Is it wrong for us to question the unbelievable things we read in the Bible. Is it wrong? Well, the answer is, it depends. <laughs> it depends. Okay, and I, I want to tell you why. If you turn back in chapter 1, turn back to verses 18 to 20. Chapter 1, same chapter. Verses 18, look at what happens. Luke tells us that the same angel, Gabriel, who is announcing this news to Mary, the same angel brought news of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Remember Elizabeth, Mary's older relative? Gabriel brought the news of Elizabeth's pregnancy to her husband, Zechariah. Okay? 
And when he was given this unbelievable message that, that your wife, who was, who was barren, who was infertile, is now pregnant, he also questioned. You see that? What did he ask? Verse 18. How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Similar question, right? To what Mary asked in our passage. How will I know this? To which Gabriel responds, if you skip down to verse 20, you will be unable to speak until these things take place. Why? Why? Because you did not believe my words. You see, church, there is a kind of questioning, a kind of wondering that proceeds not from a heart of faith and, and trust, but instead from a place of doubt, disbelief, skepticism, arrogance, haughtiness. And this is why Zechariah was rebuked for his questioning. He was rebuked. Do you see that? So what about Mary then? Why was Mary not rebuked for asking a similar sounding question? Because church, Mary's question came from a desire to know more. Her question came from a desire to go deeper to, to go deeper in, under, in her understanding of God's Word. This was the motivation behind her question. She was seeking to comprehend this unbelievable message that was declared to her. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? Once Mary had experienced the grace of God in Christ, her questioning, her wonder did not come from a place of doubt and, and disbelief, but rather from a heart that desired to know God more, to, to grow in her understanding of His Word. Do you see the difference? Many people get stuck at this point. Many people get stuck here. Perhaps you too. Questioning. You're unable to believe the unbelievable in the Bible. And so to you, I want to say, have you found the grace of God? Have you found the grace of God? Because without that grace, no one can believe. Not Mary, not you, not me. Let's see what the angel says. Verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Here's the answer, okay, to, to Mary's question. Here's the answer. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child uh, to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now, I just, we need to pause for a moment because... Do you know when you, when you ask a question and, and the answer you get only raises 
more questions? <laughs> That's what's happening here. I have to share this with you. Whenever I ask Andrew, our tech ministry lead, why my laptop does this thing or why my phone is doing that thing, the answer he gives me, it's always right. I know it's right. And I know he's, he's speaking English. But honestly, the technical terms he uses and the complexity of his response, it often leaves me speechless. Like, I, I don't know what to say. And if I stare at him long enough, he graciously says, don't worry, I'll fix it. <laughs> I love you, Andrew. <laughs> Church, this is just what, this is what happened. This is what just happened to Mary. Mary wondered how a virgin could conceive. She wanted to know more. She had the right motivation. And Gabriel is going to give her the answer to the question she's asking. And it's the true answer. It's the right answer. But his answer sinks Mary deeper into the complexity and wisdom of God. Things which are too wonderful for her. Things and mysteries which she did not know. This verse, verse 35, addresses one of the most difficult doctrines in the whole Bible, the Trinity. Do you see that? The Trinity, we believe one God, one essence, subsisting in three equal persons, Father, Son, Holy. We sang about it, right? We sang about it, this I believe. Gabriel is revealing to this young girl, Mary, each of the three persons of the Trinity, of the Godhead, and their distinct work. That's his answer. Look at this. He says the Holy Spirit will come upon her, which means her conception was not going to be uh, ordinary. It's not natural. He says the Father's power would overshadow her. You know when a cloud blocks the sunlight, right, and the cloud gives you shade from the sunlight? Just like that, her conception, her miraculous conception would be concealed from plain view. And because of these things, therefore, the child to be born, Jesus, would be called holy, the Son of God. Now, now I, we need to unpack this because there, there's so much significance in, what, in this last statement. If you recall, when we studied the grace of God in Romans, do you remember? Romans chapter 5, the grace of God. We learned that ever since Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, remember that? Every human offspring inherits a sin nature by birth. Do you remember this? I'm speaking to the choir, right? We are all born spiritually dead in sin. Mary, Joseph, you, me. What is so incredible then about what God is saying here in the virgin birth is this. Now, follow me. This is, it's not as easy to grasp. But just Jesus would be born of a woman, right? Mary, conceived in her womb, so fully human. But because he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and not by a human father, Jesus would not inherit the corrupted sin nature like all of us. He would be holy and sinless from birth, fully God. Like, fully human and yet fully God. 
tempted in every way that you and I are as humans, yet without sin. Holy, uh, set apart from sinners, and yet can die in our place to pay for our sin. Church, do you feel yourself slipping into the complexity, into the depths of the wisdom and knowledge of God? But Gabriel's not done. Look at verse 36. Behold, your relative Elizabeth. Now Mary is coming to know. Your your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month of her pregnancy. Sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. This is who God is, Mary. This is who God is. He is not limited by the laws of nature, which, by the way, he himself designed. (laughs) He's not limited by the laws of nature. By his power, the barren can be fruitful. By his power, the virgin can conceive because nothing is impossible with God. And that's not a cliche. I want you to understand the word that Luke uses here, okay? The word nothing in this verse, verse 37, where it says nothing will be impossible with God, that word in the Greek, it literally means not a word. Okay? So, so what he's saying, it's not just, yeah, nothing is impossible with God. That's true. Nothing is impossible with God. That's absolutely true. But even more specifically, not a single word of God will be impossible for him. Do you understand? What he says, he will do. That's what it means. What he resolves to do in his word, he will do. This is the power of God. This is the power of God, church. Power which Mary has not known. So how does she respond? Do you know what what most humbles me in my work? Every day, there are things I learn that I didn't know. Every day. Every day, there are things I learn which I didn't know. Sometimes I didn't know because I, I just haven't read the latest study or the latest evidence. But other times... It's because brighter minds than mine also don't know. We don't know. We don't know why, why or how certain conditions are caused in medicine. We, we, we don't know what tests or treatments, if any, might help. Every honest colleague of mine will tell you that there is so much in medicine we don't fully understand or we just don't know. And that humbles me. You see, Mary has been humbled by a similar realization. How little she really knows and how much she doesn't know. She doesn't know. And the power of God leaves her with a third and final honest response. Look at verse 38. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What was her third response? She believed. 
She believed. She believed the unbelievable, the humanly impossible. She submitted in faith. Let me ask you, were all her questions answered before she believed? Were they? No. (laughs) She probably had more questions than when she began. But in light of the authority and the grace and the power of God, Mary was left with one humble conclusion. Behold, I am a servant. That's who I am. That is my humble, lowly estate. I'm just a servant. Let it be to me according to your word. That's faith. I don't want you to miss the implications of what this young girl is professing. Just think about yourselves. Look back on the days. For those of you who are married, look back. She was engaged, right? She was, enga- she was in the happiest period of her life. She was preparing for a life of married bliss. And now everything was going to change, right? Everything was going to How would her family react? Think about that. To a baby out of wedlock, how do you think her family would react? What would, what would people say? What would the society say of her? What would they label her? What about the man she loved? What about Joseph? Would he believe her? Surely not. This story? Would they get divorced? Even worse, would, would she be accused of adultery and, or cheating? Which... which was an offense meant, which meant she would be stoned to death under, under Jewish law? I just want you to understand, Mary's whole life, her, her, her hopes, her dreams, her plans, everything would change. And, in, and knowing all of this, she says, let it be. Let it be to me according to your word. Why? Why does she say this? Because Mary trusted the authority of God's word. There was no greater source for her to trust. As the hymn goes, there is no firmer foundation she could, that could be laid for her faith. So fear, wonder, faith. These were Mary's responses to the word of God. She did not have all the answers. None of us do. right? If we're honest, none of us do. But not having all the answers does not by any means discredit the authority of our source. Does that make sense? It doesn't discredit, just because we don't have the answers doesn't discredit the authority of Mary's source and ours. So as we enter this Christmas season, do you fear the authority of the Word of God? Do you wonder at His grace to you in Christ Jesus? Has His power led you to submit yourself in faith? And for those of you who are believers, Do you have certainty concerning the things you have been taught?
certainty. Wherever you may be, may God help us to say with Mary this Christmas, let it be to me according to your word. Um, I'm going to pray for us as we close and the worship team, if you guys can join us. Father God, I just, we just come before you now and um, we are in awe. That though we fear your word because we are sinners, yet your word to us is one of grace. Of grace. That through Mary's child, the Son of God, we can be saved. We can be forgiven of our sins. We can be shown mercy and grace. And that grace relieves our fears and can lead us deeper into wonder. As we pour over these, the pages of the, of, the, of the scriptures, our hearts desire to know more, God, to know more of you, to go deeper into the, into the complexities and the wisdom and the knowledge of you. And as we dig deeper and deeper this Christmas season, Lord, we will be be encountering your power, your sheer power in which you can do the impossible. No word which you say you will do can be thwarted, for you shall do it. And when we consider all of this, O oh God, it humbles us to the response Mary had, let it be to me according to your word. Help us, O oh God, if any of us have not submitted to you in faith because we find it difficult, we find it challenging or, or hard to believe the unbelievable, help us by your grace in light of your authority by your power to believe. And for those of us who do believe, who, who, who have been taught this, this Christmas narrative year after year after year, oh Lord, let us remember Luke's purpose statement that we may have certainty, certainty concerning the things we have been taught. We may not be able to explain it all, but Lord, the authority of our source brings us to humble faith. So help us to do just that this, this Christmas. We pray these things in Jesus' name.